Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others in the way that Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We are grateful to have you listen in. So regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. Everybody has been doing well in the midst of quarantine. We've been able to see a lot of different faces um, and it's really lovely to see everybody together um, today. But yeah, um, I have to say I'm, I don't come today with a fully like light heart knowing that this time of quarantine was supposed to have started to end. And technically it is, but we're in no place to be. And uh, many of you guys have reached out to me asking, you know, when church will open up again and whatnot, but I don't really have answers for that right now. And so um, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of struggle, I pray that we would be a congregation that can rest in the goodness of God and that we can really stay close together um, because we have one another as well so we're continuing we're continuing we're continuing on our sermon series through acts that was just started post-resurrection um and last week we went through the very tough topic of healing and this week we are going to be going through the even tougher topic of Prayer. So can you guys open up your Bibles with me to Acts 4? Um, you guys can open up on whatever device you have in front of you is fine. Um, I will be reading from the ESV. It is perfectly acceptable for you to be reading from something other than the ESV. I will be reading all of Acts chapter 4. If you guys have noticed, I'm going through entire chapters as much as I can. It's because there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. We're going to be going through the whole book. So uh, would you bear with me um, as we delve into God's word together? It's a very rich book. Acts is a very rich book. Um, so yeah, you can be reading from the NIV, the NRSV, but I'll be reading from the ESV. I say this every week, though we're not standing in corporate worship, I pray that our hearts would hold the same reverence in response to God's holy and perfect word. This is the word of the Lord. And as they were speaking to the people, and Peter and John. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. For, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today, concerning a good deed done to a crippled man. By what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? 
For that a noble, notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your, your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus and great grace was upon them all. I'll stop there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? God, we ask in this time that you would fill the hearts of your people with grace and wisdom to be able to gather in your name, your holy and perfect name, and worship you in this space even if it's in their home. I pray, God, by the name, by the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I pray that every single room that our church inhabits right now would be filled with your presence, that hearts and minds and ears and eyes would be open to receiving your word and hearing you. Father God, we are in a time of crisis, and yet we believe that you have risen from the grave. So Father God, I pray that as you hide your servant behind your cross, that you are magnified and glorified, that your word is preached and spoken out. Father, would you take us to the next level with you? Holy Spirit, take us to the next level with you in community, in prayer. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen. Okay, so what's the context? And while I ask you these questions, I want to bring up a couple of things to you. And these couple of things that I just want to bring up really fast is that number one, this is a word about God's church. Number two, this is a word about prayer. So the title of this is Prayer as the Cure for Crisis and Community. How does the church stay together? I want to ask you guys this question before we start. How does the church stay together? 
How does the church stay together? Here's the context of what's going on here. There's intervention of the Jewish leaders. So Peter and John, last week we talked about how they went to their, their regular afternoon ritual to the gate called Beautiful, and this man who had been a, an invalid or a paraplegic for more than 35 years had asked for alms, and Peter and John says to them, Peter, Peter says, look at us. And the man looks at him, and then Peter and John says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk, get up and walk. And the man gets up and walks, and everyone gathers around. Shocked, and Peter is able to use this as an opportunity to share the gospel. So that's the context of what had happened just prior. It says in the beginning of chapter 4 that about 5,000 come to Jesus in this time. But the context of this entire chapter, what's actually going on here, is once Peter and John do this in the temple, it freaks out who leads the temple. The Jewish leaders. So it freaks out the Jewish leaders. Like, what the heck is going on right now? Why are these people doing this? And it freaks them out. And they come. And they capture Peter and John. And then the next day, they gather all the Sanhedrin. All the governmental body. And Peter and John basically have what you can understand to be a trial. They interrogate Peter and John as a collective, as a governmental body. It's like if Congress interrogates Mark Zuckerberg, like that's what's going on here, right? So Peter and John are, are completely surrounded by the Sanhedrin for what? Healing a man in the temple and proclaiming the name of Jesus. What ultimately happens here? Peter and John state their case. And the Sanhedrin has nothing to say. Nothing to say. The high priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they're all there. They ask him, by what power do you do this? Peter and John says, by the power of Jesus Christ, whom you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And no one can disprove the power of the name. So what happens? The Sanhedrin freaks out, they get pissed off, but they can't do anything about it. And so they command Peter and John never to speak of Jesus Christ again and release them. And Peter and John go back to their own, and the ESV it says they're friends. And what do the friends do together? They pray. And that's the whole part of the chapter that we'll be going through. So that's the whole context. And this is the first like real butting of heads that God's people has with the Jewish leaders post-resurrection and exaltation of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is no longer on the earth. And it's the first time that God's people are persecuted without Jesus being present on the earth. Now. In the midst of everything, we see two sides. The first side is Peter and John, and the second side are the Jewish leaders. I'm going to use a little bit of like just descriptive terms that I have picked up throughout the chapter to explain what the dichotomy is between these two sides. Peter and John are popular with the people 5,000 come to Christ this second time he preaches. The first time, 3,000 3, comes to Christ. 3,000. Okay? So 3,000 plus 5,000 is 8,000. That is bigger than the biggest church in New England. So right off the bat, there are two sermons. Literally two. Two. And 8,000 people come to Jesus. Okay? Popular with the people. The second thing that it says is that Peter was explicitly full of the Holy Spirit. Which means that he was not full of knowledge. He was not full of wisdom. He was not full of eloquence. He was not full of know-how on how to speak 
to non-Christians about the gospel. What he was filled with was the Holy Spirit. The third thing that is very explicitly mentioned about Peter and John from the perspective of the Jewish leaders is that they speak very eloquently even though they are uneducated. Basically, in the eyes of cocky, smart people, Peter and John should be dumb, but they're stumping them. So that's how the Bible is very nicely saying that. Um, and the fourth thing that is very clear is that Peter and John have no human objective to stand before the council. They proclaim that they are God sent. There is no human objective involved. They have no reason to stand there except God. And the final thing, but definitely not the last, is that it is ultimately the boldness of Peter and John, coupled with their eloquence, that shocks the Jewish leaders. On the other hand, the Jewish leaders are explicitly said, basically that they're annoyed, but that they're unable to disprove the apostles' convictions convincingly. And therefore, they resort to threats. So we see, popular with the people, just Jewish leaders, not necessarily popular with the people, but they, they themselves are not popular with the people, but they're propped up by convention and culture. Full of the Holy Spirit, full of knowledge, eloquent even though they're ordinary, stump even though they're smart. God sent rather than with human objective, freaking out because of their own will, bold and scared. So those are the five dichotomies that I would say exist here. The reason for that, the reason for all of this, this situation, is because, it, and it's implicit, it's not actually stated, but it's, 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 it's implicitly and ex, somewhat explicitly defined that this moment of healing of the 40, more than 40-year-old um, paraplegic becomes a sign for the cure of salvation. And that's why 5,000 people come to Jesus. And in front of that, the Jewish leaders have nothing to say. So they set, because they have nothing better to do, they set a governmental restriction. Because the gospel in this situation goes against human objectives. So that's, that's, ju that's just the situation. That's just the situation of persecution that is happening. And we see these two dichotomies of individuals. We see these Jewish leaders who have every reason to feel confident, to feel strong, but they are unable. And we see Peter and John. It begs the question, why is Peter and John able to have so much confidence and boldness and be able to stump the smartest people in, in Jerusalem when they are at the bottom of the totem pole as fishermen? How is this logically possible? The answer is in prayer. I want to elaborate on that. But the main idea is that prayer is the answer. Prayer is the cure to crisis. And it is the thing to build a community. Prayer is an essential, an essential spiritual practice that we all must lean on. Now I want to elaborate on this as we see this situation unfold when the disciples get back home. And I, I will also be backtracking through all of Acts. But I, I just want to elaborate on why prayer is their secret source. Okay, so when the men are released from this interrogation, the first thing that they do is they return to their own. It's to their own. In the ESV, it translates as if they return to their friends. And this is a typical reference for the body of Christ. 
It's very reflective of what the body of Christ should be. That we should belong to one another. That we are a community of spiritual friendship. And I'll elaborate on that in a little bit. But they belong to one another. And so the first thing that Peter and John does is that they, they return to their own. And they explain in great detail what had happened. We see in the verbs and in the language of this verse that explains how Peter and John talked to the body of Christ. We see that Peter and John focused on mainly the fact that there was pushback against the Jewish elders, that there was a ban on preaching the gospel, and that they need to continue to do it. So Peter and John, they were not explaining the situation in any other context, but the focal point of their explanation was this ban that had resulted from this moment of healing. And so when everybody had heard this situation, that Peter and John were persecuted for living out the gospel, what happened? Well, if somebody was persecuted by the gospel in today's day and age, what do you think would happen? Let's say someone is slapped across the face for spreading the gospel. Or somebody is ridiculed in a classroom for being Christian. What would you do? The first reaction that you might have is to comfort them. Are you okay? Are you doing okay? Making sure that this person is doing well. Making sure this person is feeling supported. Making sure this person knows that they are loved. And we hug it out. And we stick together. Prayer might happen after all of that. If we remember, there might be a lot of crying involved. There might be some support involved. But in the time of the New Testament, in the time of the early church, when everybody had heard that Peter and John were persecuted for sharing the gospel, they prayed. They raised their voice, and I quote from scripture, unanimously to God. Unanimously. I explained this maybe a couple chap maybe a couple weeks ago when I was explaining the community of the believers. But together, unanimously is not talking about like an opinion but it's talking about the unanimity of the mind so of one mind they were together not just physically but in one mind and that's why the emphasis is on unanimousness because they were all on the same page and they lifted up not peter and john not one person on behalf of Peter and John and the rest of the church, but they lifted their voice up unanimously together. I'm going to elaborate on this. I'm going to revisit this later. But I want to explain, I want to pause right here a little bit, just a little bit to explain that there was power in praying together. That the reaction of the church in everything should be to pray. Not because we are holy and perfect, and not that if you have a hard time praying that you're any less Christian. But if you do not pray, if not by yourself, then with God's people, if you are not praying, you cannot look God in the face and say, why am I complacent? There is no softer way to stress the importance of prayer. If you are not engaging in consistent prayer, then do not come up to another person and ask, why am I not doing well spiritually? The answer is because you are not praying. And I will elaborate on why prayer is important later. But the first thing that we also see is that it is not just important for an individual to be praying to God, but that prayer in the context of the early church is almost always communal. Some of you might wonder, Jane, though, it's so much easier for me to pray in the presence of other people than alone. That's because God made you that way. That is very natural and normal. So the question is, is the church praying together? 
That is the real question. Is the church a body of believers that is based on the backbone of prayer or play? Even praise cannot replace prayer. And not just individual prayer, corporate prayer. Now, how does God's people pray together? Jane Doe, how do we pray together? And we see a little bit of the glimpse of that in how this prayer plays out. The first thing that we see, I'm just, I'm just, I was like, we were just looking through, I was just looking through the prayer and I was seeing what exactly they were praying for and um, guided, was guided by a commentary to understand exactly what the outline of prayer was in this situation. But the first thing that prayer was about was thanks for the fulfillment of God's promises. So the first thing is a prayer of thankfulness that God is who he says he is and that he fulfills his promises. The second thing is of praise for God's sovereignty, his power, and his wisdom over the situation that they're in. And the third thing that they pray about, after having prayed a prayer of thanks and of praise, is that they pray a prayer of petition for boldness and courage, as well as further healings and wonders to confirm their message. I want to hone in on a couple things. The first thing that they pray is prayer of thankfulness. The second thing that they pray is a prayer of praise. They acknowledge God's sovereignty over the situation that they're in. Before they ask for anything, they have already prayed a prayer of thanks and they have already prayed a prayer of praise. And the third thing that is prayed is a prayer of petition for boldness and courage as well as healings and wonders to confirm the message of Jesus Christ. So if we are going through persecution, there are a lot of things that we might pray for. Why is this happening to me, Lord? God, this is hard. Would you help me, God? Will this ever stop, Lord? But what's interesting, the first, the first thing I want to draw, the second thing technically, because I drew our attention to prayer and uh, thanks and praise, but the, the second thing I want to draw our attention to is the fact that there is a petition here for boldness. A petition for boldness and courage. It's not a petition for a lightening of circumstances. In fact, they don't necessarily care that they're being persecuted. They ask for boldness and courage, as well as healing and wonder to confirm their message. So it's not of less persecution. It's not a changing of circumstance for their comfort's sake, but for God to be with them. The priority of the church was not in what they saw, but the priority of the church was where God was in their midst. It says, stretch out your hand to heal as signs and wonders happen through the name of your servant, Jesus. They ask for the move of God in their situation to support their witness to the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we see here that the church's main priority is the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the furthering of his people on this earth. And in light of that, Boldness and courage, as well as the supernatural support of the Holy Spirit through healing and wisdom and miracles to be with Jesus and to be with the church. And now the stretch out your hand language is actually very indicative of Exodus. So the the and throughout this prayer, they are not drawing on Jesus, on the life of Jesus, and or even of their own experiences. To ask God to be present. They're actually drawing from the Old Testament. You have to understand the early church existed thousand, at least 600 to 1,000 years. Yes, more than 600. Probably around 1,000. Do I really? 1,000 years. Probably around 1,000 years. A little less than 1,000 years after Exodus. 
So the way that they are looking at Exodus is the same way that we are approaching scripture right now. But they are calling upon the God of their forefathers. They are calling upon the God that they know in Exodus that can stretch out their hand. And saying, God, will you be here with us now? Upon their learning of scripture, upon their knowledge of who God is in his word. They are asking for a move of power and courage and boldness to continue to share the gospel and the support of the Holy Spirit in light of witnessing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see here that their focus is not on their circumstances. But the second thing that we see them doing is that they actually acknowledge here that their witness is not by their power, it's not by their might. But they are asking for God to be with them because they know that without God, they can do nothing. And God answers in response to his people. All, all 8,000 of them <laughs> worshiping. The place shakes. It's understood that it's like a vibration. The Holy Spirit falls and fills people. And there's a continuation of speaking in languages. The, the understanding of filled here is, it's like a, it, it's, um, the, the language of it is almost invasive. The Holy Spirit invades this space. Um, and the people are given boldness through Speaking in tongues, their boldness is actually grown through spiritual gifts. Now, this is a very interesting situation. We see here that there is crisis. We see here that in the midst of crisis, God's people have a special anointing. And then we see the body of believers hearing it together and praying together. It's a very, very interesting picture and you might not feel like you can relate to it at all. I want to... I want to tell you guys a little bit of a story to help illustrate why this chapter is so important. So I... I, I, I um, follow a pastor from back home he's like really chill um really really gifted really anointed if you guys want to check him out you definitely should it's a i would say i mean his preaching is on on fire he's definitely anointed by god um and his name is pastor will and um pastor will was explaining and i've heard this story like multiple times but he was actually um i think he was at a conference or whatever and uh, with a businessman, like a, a Christian businessman who had basically raised an empire that Pastor Will always chooses not to say because he doesn't want other people to be like, oh my God, Pastor Will, you like are a celebrity that knows other celebrities, you know? So in order to not um, be glorified that way, he doesn't actually ever say who it is, but he explains that he comes like in front of a mega conglomerate, basically, um, a Christian man, and he asks him, what is the secret to your success? Now this is a conference. This is a leadership conference. So Pastor Will is thinking, like Will is really thinking here that he's going to be getting some solid wisdom from a man that is like a boss boss, right? He's not just a boss, he's like that boss. Like he's, in, he's next level, you know what I'm saying? And Will's like, you know, all he's all geared up, ready to, um, because he's a leadership type. And the man looks at him and he says, and this is, this is, this is like, I think the whole, this whole seminar portion is actually used uh, by this man to explain this bit. Um, he says, I pray two hours every day. And Will's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 I pray two hours every day. And Will's like, look, look, I, I get it. I get that you're a Christian, but I'm like looking for some practical, like, how do you lead? Like, what ways do you like plan everything out? What business models do you have? Like, I need to, I want to know how it is that you do what you do. And the man goes, I'm telling you, 
I pray two hours every day. Well, his first reaction is like, he gets pissed. Just a little bit, he gets pissed. But then he starts to hear as the man explains more and more. He starts to understand what this old man is getting at. This humble, humble old man. The old man's secret selves was prayer. And I think I remember that's not it's not how Will explained it at church, but I think in the in the clip in the meeting place on YouTube he goes, that's it. <laughs> um And the answer is yes, that's it. Um, prayer it, unlike community, unlike the word of God, prayer is an act of pure faith. Prayer can be the difference in talking to a wall and talking to God. Prayer can seem meaningless if you doubt the existence of God in your life. Prayer is the only, like the Bible, even if you're not Christian, you might feel like, oh yeah, there are some moral maxims that I can learn. You know, so much of pop culture is based on scripture. I might as well learn that. Even if you don't believe, you can still go to church. Like, yeah, church, like so many nice people. But the one thing that is difficult to engage in without faith is prayer. And a lot of the times, we replace prayer with praise, with music. I'm, I'm here to tell you, church, I'm here to tell you, are you dry? Are you thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Are you... Thirsty for community? Are you thirsty for change? My answer to you is, have you prayed? But Jane, like, what if we don't see God answer our prayer when we pray for boldness? Like, I understand that this is happening in the book of Acts, but, you know, God doesn't really answer our prayers very often. Like, we talked about that last week, you know, with healing. And also, like, what if we don't have people to pray with? We're in social distancing right now. It's awkward to ask people, like, yo, can we pray together? Like, I don't even know how to talk to this person about how their week was. Like, I don't know how to, like, bring up, like, like, can you pray with me? Like, in the middle, like, it's even harder over, like, online. Like, it's just awkward. Like, I don't want to be in an awkward situation. I get it. I get it. It's clear in the very first, like, the first bit after they, they were released, they went back to their friends. And it's commonly referred to as the church. The church is your friend group or your family to pray with. I also want to clarify that when God is not speaking, I say this all the time, but when God is not speaking, he's doing something. Even if you feel like God is not speaking to you, God is on the move in your life, whether or not you like it. You can be with God or you can be against God. There is no in-between. You have to understand God didn't actually say anything here. The people saw the move of God, but it wasn't in a word. And it wasn't in an answer. The ground just shook and people just were filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't see the ground shaking every, every day, but we see people getting filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. And that was the answer of God. The people were also open to God's answer. Some of us, we look for a fixed answer when it comes to prayer. We have a hard time asking for God to open the eyes of our hearts and mean it. And the last thing I want to bring your attention to in light of this question, you know, what if we don't see God answer our prayer? Is what were they asking for? What was the purpose of their prayer? What is the purpose of your prayer? 
Their, their purpose in praying was for boldness and courage to continue to win. Do you think it's because they are better people than you? That they are any less, any more complacent than you or any less complacent than you? That they are any more or less capable of sinning? No. They were aligned to the will of God. What they were praying was not what they wanted. They were asking for more of God to do what he needed, to do what he wanted, because they loved him. That's hard. That's a tough pill to swallow. But what is your, what is your purpose of prayer? And why do you pray? Now, it might sound like we're going all sorts of places here. First, from persecution to this prayer and what this prayer entails. And I'm sorry if it feels a little bit um, scattered. So I'm going to bring it back a little bit and say, the first thing is the crisis. The second thing is the prayer of the believers. So upon being situated in this crisis, Peter and John, they go and they meet the body, and they pray. And so what is the significance of this passage? How can we apply this message into our lives? How can we apply Acts 4 into our lives? What do we see here in the heart and the body of the believers? What do we see here in the tension of the crisis between Peter and John and the Sanhedrin? What do we see here? How can we apply this? The first thing is, I was actually going to do the other thing. But I'm going to do prayer first. The first thing is, since we've been talking about it, how can we apply this passage in our lives in regards to prayer? Church, I want to say, because we are so well off, because we have food on the table and clothing on the backs, on our backs and a place to stay with heat and gas and plumbing and AC. We live in spiritual poverty. Because we lean on our comforts. Naturally, we are built to lean on our comforts, to prioritize our comforts over everything else. I was talking to somebody yesterday about, you know, the body of believers and what it means to be in multi-ethnic unity. And um, one of my good friends, um, he was saying, you know, Korean people are so keen on praying. It's not really evident in our church. But traditionally, even though it's not like that in North Boston, because it's not. And the adults and in us, traditionally, in Korean culture, usually there are a lot of old ladies and old men that get on their knees and cry out in the name of Jesus every 5 a.m. of every day. That's like a very Korean thing to do. Y'all go anywhere, anywhere in the States, anywhere in the around the world, you'll find a Korean church where every single old human being is on the floor at 5 a.m. in the morning. If not on the weekdays, at least on the weekends, Saturday morning prayer is sometimes more popping than Sunday service. And they're all on the floor, and it's just a, it's just a full on, it's 5.30 a.m. in the morning. It's 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Y'all, 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 it is freaky because the sun ain't out yet. I remember so clearly, the sun ain't out yet, 5.30 a.m. in the morning. But when you go to the main sanctuary, it's just louder, it's louder than youth groups are, is louder than our regular praise night. Because everybody's on their knees screaming, screaming for the name of God. And there's a pastor that's holding a mic with his hand out like this, right? And he's pacing back away. He's like, Julia! So that's, so that's like traditionally how Koreans pray. Like there's this understanding, you there's this innate understanding, like when you really dare, the first thing that you really learn is that your back is going to break. Like your back is just going to give out. It just is, you know? And 
There's this understanding because you look at your grandma. Your grandma is able to produce more decibels than you, right? And so like when you get on the floor, you don't know. You don't know what the heck everybody is praying about. You don't know why ulala ulala is coming out of their mouths. But you get on, you get on your knees because everybody is on their freaking knees. You get on your knees and you just start praying. Everybody knows. You start praying. And if your back is hurting, it's good. So that's how, that's how Koreans pray. Traditionally. They, now, traditionally, 20, 30 years ago, 30 years, 1988, Korea was in extreme poverty. 1988, Korea was in extreme poverty. College students were being shot down by the government. 1988 Olympics in Gwangju. A corrupt government, we're still in armistice at war, and half the country is starving. That was what Korea was at about 30 years ago. And so literally the generation right above us, they still live in that reality. Because a lot of people were there in that context in that time. And we see that in, in their prayer. Because they hang on to God like their life depends on but guys, we name a second gen that goes to Sunday. Name a second gen that goes to Sebekido right now. Off the top of your head. I don't doubt that it would have been that quiet even if you guys were in front of me. We live in spiritual poverty. Because of no regular consistent prayer. Because we are well off. Our standard of living, even in the midst of poverty, is higher than anything our parents have seen. Prayer is important. Prayer is important. If God is real, as real as we say, and if prayer is important, then what the heck are we doing? Think about it. Like if God is actually real, if God governs the heaven and the earth, just as we say, if the same God of Acts is actually living right now, if like literally half of Africa, literally half of Africa is being healed, and that's the reason why they come into church, like in the real, like in 2020, if that is our reality in the world right now, and God really is who he says we is, and prayer is really important, then why the heck are we not praying? What are we thinking? In, like, in, do you understand the reality? Like, we need a serious reality check. Like, a serious reality check. I don't know if that looks in like a technology fast. I don't know if that looks like in a general fast. We need a reality. Like literally our church, I mean, I can't even, the whole, like obviously everybody, but everybody, literally everybody in America, but like our church, North Boston needs the biggest, North Boston needs a freaking reality check. Like we really need a reality check because like that is God right now, like right now. Bones just get healed. Y'all go to church and your bones are... The people go to church to get their discs healed. You know what I mean? A disc in their back. And people go to church to get healed of like... Think like this is re like real in the real time. And we learned last week that healing is for the sake of salvation. We hear... So thousands and thousands and thousands of people are experiencing God. And here we are. Doing nothing. Wondering why we're complacent. Wondering why we don't see God evident in our lives, but we do nothing. There's no consistent prayer in our lives. We might read scripture consistently. We might praise consistently. We might be with our church consistently, but we don't pray. We don't commune with our God. And then we wonder why we are spiritually poor. There are three things about prayer that we need to focus on. The first thing is that prayer is an expression of dependence on God. Prayer is an expression of, so the, the, it's like, not like, they're not like three points, but it's like prayer is an expression of dependence on God. And prayer is an expression of the presence of God. And prayer is an expression of the unity of believers. 
But I'm going to go into all of these. Prayer, first and foremost, prayer is an expression of the dependence on God. We need to be able to depend on God. And not seek practical solutions. Now, I, I, I am a, on the Enneagram, I don't know why I mentioned the Enneagram so much. I really, I think I identify deeply with it. But um, my type, my Enneagram type is a type six. And this type is called a pragmatist. So for me, I, I and I, I highly relate to that and I agree with it. For me, I, I pursue practical solutions over abstract things. Like for me, like truth is not true. Like justice is not justice until I do something about it. And like equality is not equality until I do something about it. And then like, so it's just very like for me, like everything needs to be practical. But we cannot seek practical solutions of what others have done throughout their lives above dependency on God. Well, this is the whole, this is literally the Holy Spirit because I would not have the courage to say this to y'all's faces because I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. But you guys should not be seeking, going to college, seeking out a job. What the heck does a job matter? Tell me why it matters. Give me a more than 100 year plan of how it can sustain you and your descendants. Why whatever particularly it is that you do matters that much that you can depend on money more than God. Or your grades more than God. Let's be real here. What is the point? What is the actual point? Your SAT score will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. Your GRE score will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. Your GPA in college will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. So why do we rely on those things more than God? We try to be here for a thousand years? You try to be here for a thousand years? Y'all oh, can be here. I'm going there, you know what I'm saying? We ain't going to be here that long. So why would you spend, like proportionally, y'all think about it with me for a second. If you ain't even going to spend more than all of y'all, all of y'all, we're not going to be spending more than 80, 90 years from this point forward. We're not going to be spending more than like 80 years. Y'all think that's a very long time, but it passes by super fast. Some of y'all might get married in the time. Some of y'all might not get married in the time. It's fine. Some of y'all might be poor. Some of y'all might get rich. It doesn't matter. 70 years and all of us are in the ground. And we will be spending 707,000, 70,000 years somewhere else. So proportionally, what the heck are we doing? If what we do in the 70 years matters for eternity, why would we be building an inheritance here? Why would that take 60% of your time and God take five minutes of your day? Yo, think about it with me for a second. Like, what, how is that, re how is that, ra how is that rational? Y'all can talk to me about being logical. Y'all can talk to me about being practical. But if God is who we say, we say he is, and this is the reality, then what are you doing? What are we doing? Like, what am I doing? What are you doing? What are we doing? You know what I mean? Prayer is an act of dependence on God. There is no other reason to pray if, unless you are depending on God. You can pray and, re, and you can read the Bible for morality's sake. You can have the community for community's sake. But prayer is only for dependency on God. Because prayer is seeking God out. Prayer ain't for anybody else but God. But some of us, we pray for ourselves. And we think God doesn't know that. The second thing is, is that prayer is an expression of the presence of God. Prayer is the fuel to crisis. Prayer is the fuel to provision. Prayer is the fuel to contentment. Prayer is the fuel to revival and community. Prayer is the way to tap into acknowledgement of the presence of God. Prayer is an act of faith that God is with you and that God can hear you and a verbal acknowledgement of that in conversation with you. So when you pray, you pray out of the faith that number one, God is who he says he is. And number two, God is listening to you right now. He's there with you right now. And it's an, it is a verbal act of faith. That's why it's important not just to pray in your head, but to pray aloud. That's why God gave you a mouth. It's not just to talk to people, it's to talk to God. Right? 
So like a verbal acknowledgement and living out of faith in your mind and in your heart and your soul that God is who he says he is, that is all lived out in prayer. That's why people encounter God when they pray. In this sense, prayer is an act of obedience to God's will and not your own. We see here that the body of believers was able to be on, on, on the money with what God was doing. They was like, give me courage and boldness. They was not like, oh, I need a dip. I'm gonna, I'm out, y'all. I'm, I'm out. Homegirl is out, y'all. You know, peace out. See y'all later. See you in a week. See you next Sunday. Homegirl is out. No, that's not what the church was doing. You got to understand what the church is doing here. Prayer is an act of obedience to the will of God. Not even just to God's will. You don't need to know God's will to obey in the sense of prayer. Because, oh wait, that, that can sound like heresy. That's not, that's not what I meant. It's that you don't need to know God's will to pray in obedience. Because prayer is an openness to the will of God, whatever that may be. And prayer is an act of obedience before you know the will of God. And in prayer, you learn the will of God. Prayer is not bargaining with God. You got to know who you are. We got to all know who he is. There is no way that it makes sense for us to bargain with God. God is not your homeboy. You know what I mean? God is God. Are you serious? You know? This is the last thing, but the most important thing is that prayer is an expression of the unity of believers. Prayer is an expression of the unity of believers. A community needs to be able to pray together before they play together. As I said before, this is primarily a word on friendship. Do you pray with your friends? If the, if the Bible defends friendship as people that can pray together, then are your friends your friends? Who are your friends? I was talking to, like, in my conversation with this brother yesterday, I was running by him, like, things on multi-ethnic unity, you know, everything is going in all directions. I cannot talk about it right now because I have not prayed through it fully. Um, but, you know, he was talking about how, like, uh, we, I mean, we, we were talking about it together, and he was, like, being, like, he was reminding me, he was saying, Jane, like, people aren't able to fully support each other until, until they can pray together. Like, yeah, we can talk and we can share, but when, when I pray for you and when we're praying together, like there's a deep connection that is made there. I was like, yeah, you're right, Jacob. Like, I forgot about that. Prayer is an expression of unity. That's why praying at retreats is so powerful because you're praying together. That's why it's so powerful because everybody is praying together. It's literally so powerful because you guys are with other people praying, seeking out the will of God. Even if everybody's not in the right place, God doesn't care about that. God loves us. But we're all in the presence of God, seeking out the presence of God together as the body of Christ. Of course, it's explosive. It's one of the fundamental things that happens in the book of Acts. If you eliminate prayer from worship in your life because it's not as attractive to you, the risen Lord may as well, may as well be knocking on the door to your house from the outside. You can have everything that you want. You can have, you can have, you can have new morning mercies. You can have a little bit of like, you can be reading the Bible. You can be, you know, sharing with your brothers and sisters. You can be having koinonia fellowship. You can be doing all that you want. You ain't praying. Mm, the risen Lord is, he's knocking on the door of your heart. He's got plans for you, but you ain't going to be able to hear it. And so God gets desperate. So he starts talking to you through your friends. You're like, oh, I'm hearing God right now. All right, I'm not going to pray. For real? 
For real, for real. If you really think about it, right? Hearing God's word through another person is kind of like he said that she said that this is for you, right? So then you got to go to the source. But oftentimes we just let it go. We keep distance with God. Y'all, we got to engage in consistent prayer. Maybe two hours is too much for you. It's too much for me. But we have to be able to engage in consistent prayer with God. We've got to. Not because we need that for God to love us, but because our hearts are so prone to wander, that's what we need, y'all. That's what we need. That's what we need. You want eternal perspective? You want to know how God is going to use you in your jobs? You want to know how you're going to live the rest of your life? You want to know how to parent your children? You got to go and you got to pray, bro. You got to pray. The last thing I want to mention is that there is a governmental ban on people in this time from preaching the gospel. I want to mention this because this is very important to our well-being today. And we live in a we live in a time of America where the word of the government is no longer reasonable. And so like everybody be talking and something something's happening on one side of the government, something's happening in the blue, everybody freaking out, like and then in the red side everybody freaking out and like nothing is happening, right? So like you it's it's just like a hot mess right now, like literally a hot mess, like signs out the window, you know, everything out the window, you know? Um but if there's a conflict between the word of God and a command of governmental authority, God's people got to obey God's word rather than the word of human beings. I'm going to repeat this one more time. If there's a conflict between the word of God and a command of governmental authority, God's people obey God's word rather than the word of human beings. This may result in opposition or persecution, but we have to obey the clear will of God. But on the other hand, this also means that we are also not the judge. God's people obey God's word rather than the word of human beings. That's yourself too. A lot of y'all, a lot of us, a lot of me too, we put ourselves in the place of judge and we judge the government and we judge what other people are doing and we say, this is the, 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 is the right thing to do. If that's you, you got to repent. You got to throw that down. You, we've got to do it. It ain't good for your life. It just ain't good for your life. If you are the manipulative type, put it down in the name of Jesus. Put it down. We, we have the right to proclaim the gospel. The authority is given to us by the judge, but we don't have the right to be judged. And justice and morals does not come from us. It comes from God. So our own sense of justice and our own sense of morals on our experience is limited. What is justice and who is the judge? And are you praying? A church that prays together stays together, y'all. Um, I cannot stress this enough. And I suck at it too, so there's really nothing more for me to say. So we're gonna go into a time of prayer. Where is your heart at right now? It's been a while. Honestly, I have no idea what the heck just happened. I really believe that whatever was spoken forth from my mouth today, in particular, is not from me. And I have to process myself, I think, how much I have not been praying.
listening we hope you are blessed by this week's message for more information check out our website at mbkumc.com